All right, welcome to the J-Bone Show. On tonight's episode, I run down the WWE Crown Jewel pay-per-view. You're going to hear the results, my review on the show, on a couple of the matches. You're also going to hear the way I would have wrote the script for The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. Also on this show, you're going to hear my UFC 244 preview. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know leading up to the big UFC event this Saturday. Fight between Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz for the baddest motherfucker belt. Also on this show, you're going to hear how you can get involved in the next raffle for the J-Bone Show. The Little Black Dress Musical right here in Detroit. All that's coming your way right now on episode 14 of the J-Bone Show. Hey, yo, welcome in. Welcome to episode 14. And uh, so I just finished up the WWE Crown Jewel pay-per-view. Now listen, before I get into this, I've been a WWE fan my entire life. A wrestling fan my entire life. Um, I watch other shows now too. You know, NXT, you know, AEW is killing it right now. But I try to stay up on the WWE brand because obviously I've been watching this stuff my whole life. I'm, I'm very loyal to you know being a fan of WWE. And everybody knows. All my friends know it. But trust me, I'm sure they're annoyed by it. It's all I talk about sometimes. Um, but as of late, I kind of, I feel like the WWE brand is, is so watered down with things, with, with so many pay-per-views, so many different like gimmick pay-per-views, gimmick matches. It's just a lot. It's a lot to keep up with. Um, but the crown jewel pay-per-view did kind of grab me. Uh, I was definitely intrigued by it when they announced it again. And uh, I'm gonna run you down some matches, a couple matches. I didn't. I, I'm not gonna talk about the whole paper. It was damn near four hours long. So, yeah, no, just just not, not today. Um. So first match, and they started off the show with the WWE Championship match, Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar. Now, if you're a UFC fan like I, you know that in 2010, Cain Velasquez fought Brock Lesnar for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. And Brock lost, got his ass whooped actually by Kane, lost via TKO, and Brock was beat up, man, totally outmatched by Kane Velasquez in the UFC. So they kind of used that to build up this fight. You know, they 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 revisited that on WWE TV. That fight, um, they talked about that uh, on numerous occasions, building up to this match at Crown Jewel, um, and and it was good. It it was definitely good. They they grabbed my attention with it. Obviously, I was a Cain Velasquez fan too in UFC. He was one of my favorite heavyweight fighters. Uh, he had a lot of injuries, you know, that kind of, you know, cut his career short. But the dude's been making a living wrestling afterwards and he's doing a damn good job at it. I know he's in some AAA, you know, in Mexico, AAA thing in Mexico. And he gained a lot of fame off of it. Did very well. He's been doing very well. So, WWE brings him in to take on Brock. Brock wins the title from Kofi. Kofi Kingston on uh, SmackDown's debut episode on Fox and puts it on the line versus Cain Velasquez at Crown Jewel. So, first of, first of all, when when these guys came out, this crowd was in favor of Brock Lesnar. They were cheering for Brock Lesnar. The Saudi It was in Saudi Arabia. 
So I know the fan base is a little different over there, whereas, you know, us American fans, we kind of, we're kind of sick of Brock Lesnar. If you're a wrestling fan, a WWE fan, uh, just about everybody knows, kind of sick of Brock Lesnar, just because of the way he's, he's booked, the way, the, you know, his, the title reigns are handled. And I get it. But over there, apparently, this dude was the fan favorite. The crowd went nuts for him. Um, it was very, very live, very loud for Brock. But, so the match itself, very, very UFC style match. Like they almost, I mean, it's almost, it was watching a scripted UFC fight. There was leg kicks. There was, you know, there was wrestling. There was, uh, Boxing in the corner, you know, like up against the, the ring, you know, up against the turnbuckle there. Dirty boxing, you know. It was very, very UFC style. It wasn't your typical WWE wrestling match. Definitely not. But the match was only like 88 seconds. Why that is, I don't know. I've heard rumors that Kane is dealing with some injuries. Um, also, I know Kane wrestles in other places. So I don't know if that might have had something to do with the way that contract was handled. You know, limited amounts of uh physical activity i don't know i'm not sure but yeah it was 88 seconds long um they wrestled around on the ground they even you know showcased that wrestling and brock caught him in a kimura lock and made him tap out made kane tap out and uh after the match he didn't let go he kind of beat the shit out of kane velasquez definitely establishing his dominance in his yard you know in the wwe and uh, I don't know. I wasn't very impressed by it, to be honest. Like I said, the buildup was, was was great. I thought it was great. Um, you know, Kane came to defend his friend, Rey Mysterio, who was there at ringside. And I thought Kane was going to get the better part of Brock. But once they put the strap on Brock, I kind of felt like it could go the other way. And it did. And I, like I said, after the match, Brock just beat the hell out of Cain Velasquez. Rey Mysterio gets in there, beats up on Brock, you know, and, and Brock had already whooped Rey Mysterio's son's ass on previous, you know, WWE events at Raw and stuff like that. So Mysterio gets his revenge in a sense, but I don't know where they're going with that. I can't figure it out because I don't want to see Rey Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship if that's what they're going for here. I don't see how that even portrays as like a good feud. It's just not. Maybe it's for some people. It's just not for me. And like I said, I've been watching this my entire life. But that one is not intriguing. Ray versus Brock. Why? You know, I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't know what they're doing. And it's becoming. You know, it's that season now where I'm gonna start watching. You know, full time again. You got Survivor Series coming up. You got NXT War Games, which I'm going to be at personally. I will be in Chicago for NXT War Games. If any listeners are down there, get a hold of me. We can meet up. We can talk. Um, so, yeah, that match wasn't much for me. Whatever. Uh, next match, Tyson Fury. Yes, the heavyweight champion, Tyson Fury of boxing. The lineal heavyweight champion, as they call him. Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King. Tyson Fury. Yeah. Versus Braun Strowman. Two big, big dudes, man. Huge. Um, decent match, actually. Tyson Fury actually did some wrestling moves. I was impressed. He definitely showcased his training. I think he definitely put in the work. Um, this match went longer than the last one. Than, you know, Kane and Brock. 
longer than I expected. Definitely, I, I thought if if it was going to be a quick, if any match was going to be quick, I thought that was going to be the one, and it, it went on, you know, for for a good amount of time. Props to Braun Strowman though. The dude definitely carried that match in a sense, like storyline wise, like he was the one putting in the work. You know what I mean? And for anybody that knows wrestling out there, like you could tell if you're if you watch wrestling, you know, loyal to watching wrestling like I am, you could see the difference between two guys having a good match and one guy calling the spots, calling the action and, and carrying that match. And Braun did that. Very impressed the way that match went down for both those guys. But uh, Tyson Fury wins by countout. I don't, that's not. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I understand Braun is your monster, and you want to protect him and make him look, you know, mighty and strong, and nobody can beat him up. Uh, but, man, uh, countout. I don't know. Unless they're going farther with that. If Tyson Fury plans on being in the WWE for a little bit of time, and he want, and they're going to do more with that storyline, I could see it. But, for me, no. That's another no for me. Don't I don't care for celebrity angles anyway. I know Tyson Fury is an athlete. He's a boxer. And uh, i just never been a fan of it, you know, when they bring in the celebrities. Like Mayweather. Remember when they brought Mayweather in for a WrestleMania against the Big Show? Yeah, I didn't care for it. I don't know. Not for me, man. Uh, moving on. Team Hogan versus Team Flair. So I, they did this in TNA. And I wasn't a fan of it then. I'm really not a fan of it now. I understand they want to bring the big guns into Saudi Arabia for you know for the Saudi Arabia fans. Uh, solid match though. I mean the action for all the guys. There was tons of guys in it. Randy Orton, Rusev, uh, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, dressed as a superhero. Roman Reigns. You know the top guys were in that match, and it was a good match for you know the, the chaos that it was. Long story short, Team Hogan wins. The good guys win that one. Pretty decent match, though. Like I said, for as much chaos that ensued, I'm okay with it. So, here's the one I want to talk about. Universal title match. Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. Falls count anywhere. Now, if you follow wrestling, um, these guys had a Hell in a Cell match for the Universal title last month. And it ended... It was stopped. The match was stopped because Seth Rollins... Beat the hell out of the fiend, buried him in chairs, hit him with a sledgehammer, curb stomped him. Who knows how many times? And he kept getting up. But I, I guess storyline was he he had him buried. He hit him with a sledgehammer, smashed his face in or something. The referee stopped the match. Anybody knows wrestling? You don't stop a hell in a cell match. Let's go back to Mick Foley or Mankind versus the Undertaker. The dude was tossed off the top of the cell. King of the Ring 96. You guys remember it? Tossed off the top of the cell. Tossed through the top of the cell. Knocked his front two teeth out. Nobody stopped that match. So that just proves to you how soft these storylines are getting in our day and age. I mean, that was, that was you know, Attitude Era. You know what I mean? Everybody knows there's, nothing's going to get better than the Attitude Era. But... That's where we are now. It's weird. So they stopped the match, you know, Fiend versus Seth Rollins. And even after the match was stopped, he gets up, tears Rollins apart, leaves him bloody, pay-per-view's over. Now, internet wrestling fans go nuts. Go crazy. How could you stop this match? How was this not booked right? And I get it. 
If you're, if you're an avid wrestling fan and you watch wrestling all the time, you were very disappointed in the way that went down because we all know you can't stop a Hell in a Cell match. We're not stupid. That's Vince. Whatever. Anyway, so this match at Crown Jewel, false count anywhere. Another stipulation is the match can't be stopped for any reason. Kind of stupid, but whatever. So it was a, the match was good. I thought it was good. A lot of outside action. For being a false count anywhere match, you want to see stuff like that. You want the the match to go everywhere. They fought through the crowd. They fought up the ramp, outside the ring, up you know at the entranceway. It was good. So, the fiend takes a lot of punishment, man. He gets up from just about everything. A lot of kicks from Rollins, a lot of curb stomps, a lot of you know tossing into the barricade, chair shots. You know he he's been doing it since he's been the fiend. He's been taking a lot of punishment and getting up from it. Makes him very scary. Makes him very believe like a, you know he's he's you almost see like like an Undertaker type character in him, like he's not human, you know what I mean, and that's good. I like that. You need somebody like that in WWE now because they don't really have that anymore. They've definitely shied away from the whole you know unbeatable thing. I guess unless you're Brock Lesnar, that's a completely different story. But. He takes a lot of punishment throughout this match. Eight curb stomps. I counted them. Eight of them. And gets up from every single one. So they go up the ramp to the entranceway. Uh, the Fiend falls into an electrical box. Like a big old pit of electrical box. And sparks go everywhere. Flames. You know, there was literally flames coming up. Big huge spot, man. Everybody thinks, oh, that's the end of The Fiend. So Rollins goes down there. Some sparks fly again. Fiend comes up. Gets him in the mandible claw. Pins him. One, two, three. And the Fiend is the WWE Universal Champion. New champ. Pretty good match, though. I was, I was very entertained. That was the one I wanted to see out of all of them. That was the one. So I'll spend a little more time on it. Um, I just, I like the way the Fiend Bray Wyatt wrestles. It's very... Very similar to the way Brett, Bray Wyatt wrestled just as Bray Wyatt when he was with the Wyatt family, you know, the cult leader type gimmick. And I love that gimmick too. And he de- he deserved winning that title. He won that title Elimination Chamber and he deserved it. I don't know why WWE thought, you know, to repackage him and rebrand him into something else. I mean, he's still kind of the same character, just maybe like a different side of it, which is good too. I'm okay with it. Um... But he he wrestles very creepy, very eerie, like almost like a cane. Remember Kane back in the day when he would kind of slowly move around the ring. All his moves were powerful. You could see the fiend picking his spots, very eerie type movements, laughing through you know throughout the match. You know, holding his head almost like he's got some kind of mental thing going on. And if you follow the Firefly Funhouse, it's clear that he does. You know, alternate personalities and stuff like that. So, I'm okay with that. I dig it, actually. I really like what's going on with The Fiend. But, I don't know about him winning the title. I don't think it's needed. So, right now I'm going to do a little segment called, If I Wrote It. And if I wrote it, this is how it would go down. Well, one, it wouldn't. we wouldn't even have a match at Crown Jewel. Because at Hell in a Cell... All that would have happened, he would have took all that punishment, been buried under those chairs, took a sledgehammer to the face, all that punishment, 
got up, beat the hell out of Seth, Seth Rollins, just the way he did, without stopping the match, though. Keep that in mind. Just the way he did, bloody him up, totally ruin him, annihilate him. Then, end of the match, The Fiend takes the title, and he lays it over Seth Rollins, stands over him, and leaves. Gone. Then they can do that little package where they do at the end of the shows where the Fiend's, you know, the screechy sound hits, the lights are flashing on the Fiend's face, and you hear his laugh, and and he's gone. He disappears. So if he leaves the champion of the WWE, the universal champion, one of the champions, leaves him... In the center of the ring, bloody, beaten, with the belt draped over him. Showing the WWE Universe that he wants nothing to do with the WWE title. He's only there to cause carnage. To cause chaos. That is a scary, scary wrestler. To me. You want to make him scary? Put him there to cause nothing but chaos. He doesn't want the belt. Just walks away and leaves it. But he shows everybody that he can take out your champion if he wants to. Because he's that crazy. And he's that much of a badass. That's if I wrote it. So, I'm glad we got through that. I got nothing much to say about the Crown Jewel pay-per-view after that. Decent pay-per-view. Very long. Very long. Too long. Almost, like I said, almost four hours. It was like three hours and 40 minutes or something like that. Very WrestleMania-style pay-per-view with the big stadium you know, the big, you know, production, you know, all the lights. Cool to look at. Mm, wrestling side, eh, I give it 2.5 out of 5. But my opinion doesn't count anyway. Who gives a shit, right? Anyway, let's take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to get into UFC 244. And I'm going to tell you about the Pistons tickets giveaway that we did on Facebook Live last night. And I'm going to tell you about another giveaway coming up. It's all coming up on the J-Bone Show. Yo, guys, it's J-Bone, and I'm always looking for new music to play on the J-Bone Show. So if you're a local artist, doesn't matter the genre, and you want your music to be featured on the J-Bone Show, all you got to do is send those tracks to the J-Bone Show at gmail.com. MP3 files only for it to be played on future shows. Can't wait to hear it. Let's go. All right, welcome back to the J-Bone Show. Uh, Now, last night... I gave away Pistons tickets on Facebook Live. If you follow the J-Bone Show page on Facebook, you would have seen that. Uh, the winner, Lisa Danka. I hope that's how you say your last name. I'm very sorry if it's not. Um, she was the winner of the very first drawing for tickets from the J-Bone Show. Lisa, you're going to see the Detroit Pistons versus the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday. You got four tickets. Hope you have a blast, man. Go Pistons. So, like I said, that was the first of many ticket giveaways. I'm going to be consistently giving tickets away to things. It's not just going to be sports stuff. There's going to be other tickets for other things. And I hope you guys stay involved. I hope you guys stay listening. I hope you guys stay tuned. I hope you stay active on the Facebook page. And I hope you participate. So, on that note, I'm giving you another chance to participate right now. I'm giving away tickets to the Little Black Dress musical right here in Detroit. On Saturday, November 9th at 3 o'clock. Now, I'm going to post all the details on the Facebook page. All you have to do to be eligible for this drawing is share this episode on Facebook. Go to Spotify. Go to iHeartRadio. Anchor. 
Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. It's everywhere. The J-Bone Show. Search The J-Bone Show. Share episode 14 on Facebook. Tag me. Tag The J-Bone Show if you want. If you do that, you're in. You're eligible for these tickets to the Little Black Dress musical. Now, to ladies only. Ladies only event. Not the event itself. I mean, I'm sure guys can go. But I'm only giving tickets away to ladies. Now, guys, if you want to tag your girlfriends, tag your wives, and tell them to enter the contest, all they got to do is share episode 14. And you're in. But I'm only giving the tickets to a lady. So, that's how you do it. Like I said, I'll post all the details on the Facebook page right after the show, after I post everything. After I finish this episode and record and post and all that, just whatnot. You'll get all the details on there. Now, getting into UFC 244 this Saturday. Masvidal versus Diaz. Potentially the fight of the year. Oh, I can't wait for that fight. That's the Saturday. Like I said, ESPN Plus on pay-per-view. It's, it's going to be a brawl, man. I cannot wait. But co-main event, I just want to talk about that for a quick second, get that out of the way. Kelvin Gastelum versus Darren Till. Now, that fight, I got Till winning by decision. I think Till's going to drag him into the, the third round and just outpunch him, outbox him. I've just never been a Kelvin Gastelum fan. One of the reasons he barely makes weight, sometimes he doesn't make weight. He's pulled out of numerous fights because of his weight. I've just never been a fan of the guy. I don't know why. I mean, I guess that's why, but I don't, this, not for me, man. Till wins that one by decision. That's my prediction. So, on to the main event. Woo! Masvidal versus Diaz. Now, if you're an avid UFC fan and you watch UFC and you've been watching UFC all these years, you know these two dudes don't play. Gangsters, man. Two legit OGs in the fight game. Masvidal coming off that crazy flying knee knockout over Ben Askren. Diaz coming off the counter fights. He took time off, came back, beat D, uh, Anthony Pettis. And he asked for Masvidal. So, like I said, Masvidal, he grew up in the rough neighborhoods, man. And, and he's a student of the streets. You could see him on the Kimbo Slice videos. Dude's a legit brawler. Remember Kimbo Slice? He put up those YouTube videos of you know, the street fights, the backyard brawls and all that stuff. Masvidal was in those. Jorge Masvidal was in, in those episodes on YouTube from Kimbo Slice. Dude's a born bred fighter, man. He's just, like I said, he's a gangster. He's a bad motherfucker, as they say. He went from a street fighter to a mixed martial artist. Very credible. And a badass martial artist, too. Uh, his notable wins, Ben Askren, like I said, the flying knee. Heard around the world. Devastating. That thing went viral. Five seconds. Fastest knockout in UFC history. Look that up. If you, if you got time, look that up. The flying knee. Incredible. Unbelievable. Also, he's got to win over Darren Till. TKO victory. Cowboy Cerrone, TKO. So this dude makes his living off of knocking guys out. Um, he's got a lot of... Uh, his, the majority of his losses were split decision. So dude can can scrap. He gets in there and, and he fights and he survives. You know, he's, he's definitely always in the fight. Very credible. And he's a dog. Like I said, the, dude, the dude's got hands and, and knees. He's, just, he's a bad dude, man. So, standing across the octagon, Nate Diaz. Now, Diaz is a veteran of the sport. 
all-around mixed martial artist. He's good at everything. His boxing, great. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, probably one of the best in the world. Dude can hold his own anywhere in the octagon. Any on the on the feet, you know, on the ground, it doesn't matter. Um, another guy, another gangster, man. Grew up in the streets, California, Stockton, California. Dude's a badass. Uh, he's always think about Nate Diaz because he's always consistently in the top ten. No matter if he's fighting at welterweight or lightweight, always a top tier fighter. He's always you know mentioned in the top guys. And he's always been there since he's come into the UFC. He's always fought at a high level, no matter what. Very consistent with his wins, you know. So, Diaz took the fight with Conor. We all know the Conor McGregor history with Nate Diaz. And uh, he beat Conor. Completely shot him into the spotlight for, like, newly acquired UFC fans. Because Conor was dragging in new fans. The fan base was growing. The game was evolving. And Nate Diaz got slingshotted right is that the word slingshotted slingshot slingshot whatever right in to the spotlight after he beat conor mcgregor so they have the instant rematch he loses to conor still take dude takes a beating takes conor five rounds loses to conor one of the probably the greatest ufc fight of all time dude has huge popularity points got his ass whooped bloody he's he, but he's a world beater that 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 fight could have went one more round, and he might have beat Conor McGregor. My in my prediction, yeah, he probably. The, the longer these fights go, the better it is for Nate Diaz. The more blood, the better he is. You know, the more he gets beat up, the more dangerous he becomes. So, like I said, defeats Conor shocking fashion. Comes back, loses. Then he takes time off. And uh, according to him, he, there was nobody for him to fight. There was there was no interesting fights for him. The belt didn't matter. Now, if if you ask me, Diaz could have took out the top guys in the division and got to the title and won it. He could beat anybody. Um, but like I said, he took the time off, comes back finally, takes on Anthony Pettis, beats Pettis, says he wants a bad motherfucker to get in the octagon with him pretty much. Calls out Jorge Masvidal, which sets up this fight. And uh, like I said, you're looking at two bad motherfuckers, man. And like they said, and that's how they're they're marketing this fight. You're the baddest motherfucker on the planet. It's gonna be a brawl, man. But uh, Nate Diaz. So his notable wins. Let's talk about that. Anthony Pettis, like I said. Conor McGregor, Michael Johnson, Cowboy Cerrone, Takanori Gomi, Jim Miller. List goes on. He's been around for a long time. He won the Ultimate Fighter. So, he asked for the big fight. He got it after the time off, after he come back, beat Pettis. Sets up this fight, welterweight fight. And like I said, it's going to go down, dude. It, it's it's, it's going to be bloody. I think it's going to be a lot of stand-up. These guys will start on the feet, and they're going to stay on the feet. I don't think, I don't think Masvidal is going to come flying out like he did against Ben Askren. I think that's too predictable now, considering what happened. I don't think that he can. Maybe he does. I don't know. I mean, nobody's nobody's predictable in a fight game like that. You really just never know. Um, it's going to start out a scrap. Very explosive. A lot of dirty boxing, I think. I think Diaz is going to survive some big shots. I think he's going to take some punches. He always does. I think Masvidal is going to really, really box with him 
on the feet. Because, like I said, these two dudes are gangsters, man. They ain't no bitches. They're going to stand up and fight, at least for a little bit. And uh, I think Diaz survived some big shots, but I think he keeps the distance close. I think Diaz pressures Masvidal in the cage. Uh, at least the, I, th- I think he's a lot of dirty boxing, a lot of, a lot of Muay Thai stuff, clinching, stuff like that. I think that's the way Diaz is going to want to fight this fight. Um, Masvidal, he's got to keep, he's got to keep the range. He's got outbox Diaz, which is going to be tough for him. A lot of kicks, you know, a lot of, a lot of crazy weird stuff, a lot of different angles for Masvidal. It's the only way he's going to get to Diaz. I don't think he can finish him though. So my prediction, I think Diaz takes him into the later rounds. I'm going to say round four. And I think Diaz wins by rear naked choke. That's my prediction for the fight. You heard it here, man. J-Bone, I predict Nate Diaz wins by rear naked choke round four. So let's talk about the bad motherfucker title. When this fight started happening and started shaping up, like I said, it's been marketed as the two baddest motherfuckers in the game. And they could be. But as far as a BMF title, eh, I don't think so. It just doesn't make sense to me because, one, there's so many bad motherfuckers in the UFC, right? So these guys are fighting at 170 170 pounds. Baddest motherfucker on the planet. You think that John Jones at 205 pounds wouldn't destroy one of these cats? He would, wouldn't he be the baddest motherfucker? Is there a baddest motherfucker, like, weight limitation? Because this, is this belt going to go up to middleweight, down to welterweight, down to lightweight, back and forth? Is there going to be one title? I don't like it. I get calling somebody the baddest motherfucker. Just, just slap the label on the fight and call it a day. You don't have to make a belt for it. I don't get that. It's not, I mean, it doesn't make sense. There's so many other bad motherfuckers in the game, obviously. Look at Khabib. Bad motherfucker in his own sense, right? Look at Conor McGregor. In a different way, one of the baddest motherfuckers. He brought the UFC back into the limelight by talking a bunch of shit, finishing guys the way he said he was, and then he ran into a wall against Khabib. Wouldn't that make Khabib the baddest motherfucker? John Jones, Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic. You know, there's guys out there that are bad motherfuckers that won't have a shot at this title because obviously... Daniel Cormier isn't going to jump down to 170 pounds to fight Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal. I don't get it. I don't like it. Either way, it's going to be presented to the winner on Saturday by The Rock. There's another money grabber right there. The Rock is going to be presenting that belt to the winner of Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. So you can see that fight on uh, ESPN Plus, UFC pay-per-view. I'll be watching it Saturday night. Ah, oh, it's going to be a banger, dude. I can't wait. That's going to be a fun fight. Like I said, you heard my prediction here. Round four, rear naked choke. Nate Diaz takes it home. I hope I'm not wrong. That would suck. <laughs> I look really stupid. Sound really stupid. So, yeah, that's all I got for you today. Episode 14, let's wrap it up. You heard my uh, review on the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. You got my predictions for UFC 244. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, for my new listeners, that was a filler episode. So in between shows, I will do shows like this in, be- in between me interviewing local artists and, and local people. Um, 
the main thing about this show is I want local people to come on here. Like I said, local artists, local rappers, local musicians, rock and roll. It doesn't matter the genre of music. If you're a musician, you play music, I want your story here. We'll play your tracks on the show. We'll tell your story. And we'll get you out to the public the best I can on social media. Story be heard on iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. You name it, man. Wherever you find a podcast, you're going to find the J-Bone Show. And I want you guys on it. So, that's the idea. Hopefully you guys uh, reach out to me. That'd be great. Also, like I said in this show, we're going to be doing some raffles. It's going to consistently be happening. Lots of tickets to things. I'm consistently going to be doing that on Facebook. So, like I said previously in this show, if you want to go to the Little Black Dress Musical right here in Detroit, all you have to do is share this episode of the J-Bone Show. Episode 14. Share it. Doesn't matter where you get it from. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Anchor. Share it on Facebook and you are in for the drawing for those tickets. That's on November 9th at 3 o'clock right here in Detroit. The Little Black Dress Musical. I'm going to give you all the details on the J-Bone Show page. All you got to do is share it. Share this episode and you're in. So, that's it, man, for the show. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you all. This is J-Bone and I will talk to you all again very, very soon. Hey, this is J-Bone. I'm looking for locals in the metro Detroit area to come on my show, the J-Bone Show, right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Are you a local business owner, local entrepreneur? You an MMA fighter, a wrestler? You a local musician, rapper, singer, guitar player? You in a band? Come to my show. Let's promote you. Let's get your story out and how you got there. The J-Bone Show, right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.